Good morning, Rock Hills. It's so good to see you guys. So glad that you're here. And if you're here today for the first time, I certainly want to extend a welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here. I never believe that anybody's here by an accident, uh, but I hope that God really speaks something great to you today and encourages you. I also want to thank uh, the band and all these guys that have hopped in. We're in a bit of a worship transition, and Megan has been putting together a great team for us uh, in that transition, so we appreciate you very much. And John filled in for us last week. He'll be back next week uh, as well. So between John and Megan, they've been filling in, but uh, we'll have some exciting new worship coming to you guys uh, too, but uh, we're, we're so honored to have such great worship every week. So thank you guys uh, for doing that. Uh, I want to thank you guys for being here again today uh, as we continue in this series, Soul Activity. And in this, we're talking about how we can truly live for God. Last week, we talked about following God and what that really looks like. And so we're going to continue in that. And hopefully today, uh, we'll come a step closer to understanding what that really means. We have something special for you guys uh, today, too, as we go throughout the service that we're going to introduce to you here in just a moment. But have you ever said something so much? I may be the only one who has done this. I did this the other day, and I thought, man, that is so strange. Is something wrong with me or what? But you ever said something so much, and then as you say it, you begin to think, and you think, is that even really a word? I mean, it just sounds so strange. I've said it all of my life, but I've said it so much now that it, you wonder for a moment. You just have this brain lapse, and you think, is that even a real word? Or did my brain just construct that? I mean, if you say something over and over and over again, sometimes it just kind of blips off of your radar. For example, everybody participate with me here, class participation. I want you to say Rock Hills Church five times in a row. Here we go. Three, two, one. Rock Hills Church, Rock Hills Church, Rock Hills Church, Rock Hills Church, Rock Hills Church. It starts to sound a little bit weird after a while, right? I mean, Rock Hills a jerk or something, you know, it just kind of blends together into something weird. When we say something so often, and just here, all of a sudden, we begin to not even think about it. And it begins to lose its meaning. There's an actual term for this. It's called semantic satiation. It's a psychological phenomenon in which repetition causes a word or phrase to temporarily lose meaning for the listener, who then perceives speech as repeated meaningless sounds. So it's a real deal. So if you ever think you're crazy in those moments, it's not just you. It's all of us. Our brains tend to have this spam filter, right? And when something comes through so many times, it just kind of sends it over into the spam filter and it doesn't even really mean anything, you know? As you can understand this if you're parents, those of you who have kids in the room, especially when they were younger. I remember being an elementary age student. I, had, uh, I have an older brother and I have a younger brother. And all three of us went by the name Jason Adam Daniel, Jason Adam Daniel, Jason Adam Daniel, because, you know, my mom would just start spitting out the name. So we just learned to respond to Jason Adam Daniel because it was all three of us, right? And my poor son, he is so full of adventure, and for all of his life, if we go out on a walk or whatever, he is distracted by anything shiny or a good-looking rock or whatever it may be, and he is going to get off course and start looking at whatever adventure that his mind is going on. And it's not uncommon, especially when he was younger, that as we would be walking, we would say, come on, Jack, come on, Jack, come on, Jack, 
dozens of times, right? And it got to be such a phrase that it's just a common term that we now have in our house. Kamanja is another name for Jack because we just said, come on, Jack, so many times that it's a nickname for him. Just Kamanja because we got used to saying it over and over and over. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but I have to confess I've been guilty of this. Typically, when Tiffany and I are on a phone call, you know, uh, you're going to the grocery store. Okay, well, I'm going to go work or whatever. Okay, love you. Bye. Right? And we just throw that in. And we don't even think about it. It's just we say it at the end. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I've been caught in situations where I'm talking to somebody for a business purpose on the phone or whatever, you know. Okay, yeah, I'll send that over to you in an email today later. Okay, love you. Bye. I am never going to be able to look that person in the eye again, right? I hope I never have to see them in person. It's just such a repetitive habit, such, such, verbal, uh, such a verbal habit that it just comes out at times. As we start this series and look at this series, Soul Activity, we're going to talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus. And if you're new to following Jesus... First of all, I want to take a little side note. If you're new to following Jesus, I want you to know that you're not alone. Sometimes you can come to church and you think everybody else in this room understands what all the Bible verses mean. And you know where the books of the Bible are. And everybody else in this room has been going to church since they were a kid and you're brand new. And I can assure you that is not the case. We do have people here that have been going to church all their lives. We've got people here in this room who have just started coming to church on a regular basis. We've got people here in this room who don't necessarily believe in God. They're just trying to figure it all out. So I want to assure you that you are not alone. And if you're, if you're one of those people who find yourself in that boat where I'm brand new to this or I don't understand it all or I'm just trying to figure it out, as we talk about what it means to follow Jesus, I think this series will explain some of the very most important pieces to you. So you're not distracted by all the other stuff. Just give me the bottom line. What does Jesus want from me? What has Jesus asked me to do? For those of you who have been following Jesus for some time in your life, hopefully we can eliminate some of the semantic satiation, the things that you have heard so many times that now they don't have a lot of meaning in your life because you are so used to hearing them. For example, phrases like this, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've heard those phrases. So many times you just kind of understand that's part of Christianity and it's just, it can be kind of in one ear and out the other. You know, it's like we've got Easter and we've got Christmas. Love God, love your neighbor. And it's all just part of the package, but it may not really do much to our heart because it hits that spam filter. But I want to tell you today that Jesus says this is the most important commandment and the other most important commandment. Both of these things are what it is all about. He tells us this in Matthew chapter 22, I'll read 35 through 40, says this, one of them, an expert in the law, somebody's coming up and questioning Jesus, and it's an attorney, you got to watch out for the attorneys, one of them, an expert in the law, tried to trap Jesus, tried to trap him with this question, teacher, which is the most important command in the law of Moses? 
Jesus replied, you must love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus says, you want to know what it means to be a Christian? He's telling these people in those days. He's telling the expert in the law. He's telling all the other people listening. But he's still telling us today too. Do you want to know what it means to follow Jesus? How you can really make this be more than just going to church and hearing somebody talk and hearing somebody sing some songs, but how you can see what happens in the Bible happen in your life, where it goes from just being in your head to being in your heart to being something that truly can transform your life. If I could sum it all up for you and squish it down and roll it up in a little Play-Doh ball and say, here it is. This is what it's all about. Jesus says, it's these two, two things. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Now again, for those of us who have been in church for a while, that can be like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? For those of you who are over 30, you know what I'm talking about. Charlie Brown's teacher, what did she say, class participation? Wah, 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 right? And sometimes that's how it goes through our ears. Love God, love your neighbor. Wah, 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 wah. There's that Bible thing again. And even though I believe in the Bible, and even though I love Jesus, wah, 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 Right? What does that really mean? How are we supposed to truly live that out? As we look at soul activity, we're going to talk about loving God with all that we are. And that's what it really comes down to. What Jesus is asking us to do is love God. We're going to talk next week about what it means to love God with all your heart. And then we're going to talk about what it means to love God with all your soul. We're going to talk about what it means to love God with all your mind and all your strength. So we're going to talk about how we can truly do that. But today, we're going to take that second part of the command and we're going to see what does it mean for us to truly love our neighbor. Here's what I believe with all my heart. I believe Jesus wants to transform the world. He wants to reach the people all around you, everyone that you know, but he wants to do it through you, and he wants to do it through me. See, the truth is, Jesus could just speak. God could say, do it, and it would be done, but that's not the way God operates. God wants to use you and me. As we surrender our lives to him, he moves through us to be Jesus, flesh and blood, to our neighbors, to the people around us, the people that we're related to, our family, our friends, our co-workers, our literal neighbors, the people that we live next to. So I hope through this series we're going to get refreshed on what the Bible calls the great command. Love God and love your neighbor. Mark chapter 2 uh, is a little story and I think it's a great illustration of loving, loving your neighbor because as I picture this scenario playing out, it really challenges me with the concept of what do I need to be doing to live this out and specifically how can I, be, how can I live that out and love my neighbors? And I'll be straight up honest with you. Your pastor needs to do this better. I need to do this a whole lot better. It's one thing for me to stand up here and tell you love your neighbors, and I can be a kind person, and I can pray for people. But when I put this message together and I ask myself, am I really loving my neighbors? I'm convicted, and I realize I need to be doing a whole lot better than I'm doing. Let's take a look at this story real quick. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. A few days later, uh, when Jesus 
uh, again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, digging through it, and then lowered the man who was on a mat, uh, who was uh, a man on the mat, the mat he was lying on. Sorry, got tongue twisted there. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now the religious leaders were like, who is this guy saying that, that his sins are forgiven? And Jesus knows what they're up against. And he says, which is harder? You know, really come on to say your sins are forgiven or to tell this man to get up and walk. And so he says, just for a great illustration of my power and my love, your sins are forgiven and get up and walk. So this man who has then been paralyzed for all of his life is able to get up and walk out of the door. But when you think of what led up to that situation, the front end of this story to me is awesome. Capernaum is kind of like a hometown uh, for Jesus' ministry. There's a lot going on in there. It's the hometown of Peter, John, James, Matthew. He's been there several times. Everybody knows that when Jesus shows up, people get healed. When he shows up, they're going to hear things. They're going to hear wisdom that they've never been able to hear before. So anytime Jesus comes to town, right? There's no social media. There's no news. There's only word of mouth. But in this small town, everybody begins to talk. Jesus is here. He's going to be here tomorrow or whatever. He's going to be talking at this person's house or wherever it is. And so there was this buzz. And Jesus shows up in Capernaum that day. And there is a crowd so big that this room would have been packed. There's people lined up outside the door all just to hear what Jesus has to say. And then there's these four friends. These four friends that carried, each carried the corner of the mat, right? They're like, dude, Jesus is coming to town. You know, what if we took Joe to Jesus, right? He heals people. I don't know if his name was Joe, but we're going to give him the name Joe because it's a nice generic name. What if we take Joe to meet Jesus? Well, how are we going to do that? So they had to put together a plan. Okay, all four of us will each carry a corner of, of the mat, right? And so they get there and they see... The crowd is just out the door. So at that point, they could have easily just gone home and said, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's worth it. But these four friends said, we're going to do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. Because I don't know which one of the four said, I've got an idea. <laughs> what if we climbed on the roof and dug through the ceiling? I mean, the houses would have been made out of mud and stucco-like material. So here, here's this room, this house, this auditorium, whatever it was, packed with people. And these four guys climbing, putting their friend up on their shoulder, whatever it was, getting up on the roof. And as Jesus is speaking here, and all four of them, I mean, if one of them had backed out and said, no, I don't really want to do this, it wouldn't have been the guy that was lowered through the roof. It would have been the guy that fell on Jesus, right? All four of them said, we're, we're going to come together to do whatever it takes to get you what you truly need because we know that you need Jesus. So in unison and in teamwork, 
they work together hand in hand to be a good neighbor to their friend. So here's a little pop quiz for you. you if you want to hold up your hand for, uh, or in front of you for ease and sake, your palm is your house. I want you to think real quick. Who are the neighbors, the two people that live next to you, person directly across from you or diagonal to you, the five people that live right around you? Can you think of their names? All right? This, this is part of what challenged me this week because I know the name of the lady who lives next door to me, and then there's the single mom that lives over there. I don't know her name. All right, even when Tiffany tells me about that, I'm like, who are you talking about? Oh, the lady that lives over there, you know? And so I can go through the neighborhood and tell you some of the names and just tell you a generic description of some other people. And you may be the same way, right? The people with the crazy kids, right? The guy who drives the motorcycle that's super loud or whatever it may be. Now, I knew my neighbor's names when I was growing up, but I had a little cheat. I had an advantage. I lived out in the country, so I only had two neighbors, and it was the gays and the drivers. And, and that's not descriptions of them. That was their names. All right? So I'm, I'm not being judgmental or anything. That was their names. The driver family lived there and the gay family lived over there. I knew my neighbors. But since then, now that I've grown up and moved into the real world at every place we've lived in, I could never tell you all the names of my neighbors. So I want to throw that challenge out to you today. If we're going to love our neighbors, maybe we should just start by knowing who they are, simply introducing ourselves and meeting the people around us. I pray that as a community of believers, that we could be this kind of neighbor. And when I say neighbor, I mean the literal people that live around you. I also mean the people that you work with, the people that you go to school with, the people that you hang out with or play golf with, or whatever it may be, the relationships that God has put around you. Here's the things that I pray for. I pray that we would have relationships with purpose. I believe God has put you in your neighborhood on purpose, right? I know you picked that house and they picked that house and y'all never planned to live next door to each other necessarily, but God has put you there with a purpose. And we have to realize if we could just get that person somehow to the love of God, God could change their lives. We need to look for opportunities to be a friend, to be a neighbor, to develop relationships. So the first thing I want us to do is look how we can have relationships with purpose. The next thing I want us to do is have deliberate faith. That as a faith community, we would have faith that God would give us opportunities to be a light for Jesus, to represent him, to reflect him. You see, the good thing is God doesn't call you to save your neighbor. You're not their salvation. We just simply need to be a neighbor and show Jesus to our neighbors. And Jesus is the one who changes their lives. And thirdly, I want you to do, I want you to be ready to overcome whatever obstacles come up. Because I know some of your neighbors are difficult people. All right? And if you don't have any neighbors that are difficult people, it may be you that is the neighbor that's the difficult person. All right? But we all have, I mean, maybe it's not even difficult people personality-wise. Maybe it's just time. 
right? I mean, how many of us, we live straight across the street from somebody that we haven't seen in six months because you go in your garage, they go in their garage, you never see each other. There are going to be obstacles to you being a good neighbor, but I encourage you to overcome those obstacles. I was at a denominational meeting the last two days up in Kansas, and I got to tell you, one of my neighbors in that meeting, somebody in close proximity to me, the first few hours of that meeting, I just thought, these guys are about to drive me nuts. I mean, so think about a meeting like this, and you've got two people at the back of the room that will not shut up, right? And they don't have a concept of whispering. It's like they're talking softly, but in a regular voice. And I mean, just talk, 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 no matter who's talking. And then we have a prayer time, and still, these two guys are, and I'm like, somebody needs to tell these guys to be quiet until I listened close enough and realized it was a translator, translating for the guy who only spoke Spanish. And then I felt like a real jerk. But sometimes there are obstacles that you have to overcome to realize, you know what? The guy who only spoke Spanish, he was waiting at the airport when I was waiting at the airport yesterday. And we had an awesome visit. But I first had to overcome the obstacle of realizing Man, this guy is not a total jerk. He's understanding what we're trying to communicate. And so you've got to be willing to overcome the obstacles so that you can reach the neighbors in your life. I got a a simple tool for you guys. These are out at the connecting center out there. This is a postcard. I know you're all familiar with that. On the back, there is nothing. On the front, Rock Hills Church, come as you are. If you guys want to, I want you to pick some of these up and you can take these Leave a note for your neighbor. Leave a note for your waitress. Leave an encouraging note for a coworker. You can. It doesn't have the times on there. It doesn't have our address. That's for you guys if you want to invite somebody else. But I want you to take some of these. You can mail them. You can leave them for somebody. I do encourage you not to write things like learn to park, you idiot, and leave it on a windshield, <laughs> or you're the worst waitress ever. This is your tip. Nothing like that. Encourage somebody. Be a blessing to somebody. So there, there's a bunch of these out there. I encourage you to pick a stack up. As God gives you opportunity, be a neighbor to somebody. Now, we've got some guests here with us today. And these guests, it's a perfect timing for them to be here. Because I think of anybody in our city, this particular family is living out what it means to be Jesus to your neighbors. And so I'm going to ask Charlie to come up here in just a moment. We've got a video that's going to play a little bit about what he does. Many of you have heard of SA Heels and what they do in and through our community. Uh, That's Charlie and his organization. And so we're going to run a little video, and then Charlie's going to share with you guys. Three years ago, my wife Jen and I moved down to the east side of San Antonio by the AT&T Center. We set out with a goal to really love people like Jesus loved people. We didn't want it to be an us and a them, but we really wanted it to be a we. And through that, we formed SA Heals. SA Heals' goal is to help restore health and wholeness to the families here on the east side. Now, whether it's trying to feed 25% of the kids who are going hungry on the weekends, or just give them an opportunity like going to summer camp, or providing them a safe place to play through our rec center and giving them love and relationships, We're really about changing lives, and we try to change the lives through the stories that each of these people tell. San Antonio Hills is a a good thing in the community for children and adults, especially, I will say for myself, uh, being a musician, 
and uh, uh, I would like to think I was a, a artist, but being here, I've been playing with the uh, church for a year, over a year and a half, and I've noticed a lot of growth in myself. I've broken a lot of bad habits, and a lot of good people that seem like they like to see me accomplish something before I go back home to meet my father. I just like to say in closing that the best thing that ever happened to me was coming and being a part of SA Hills. I like the wreck because it keeps me off the street of doing bad stuff and that I had leftover time to come over here, play pool, be with friends, and like hang out with a lot of people. I'm glad that um they've had the rec center for these dreams. Because we've had we've had multiple choices to do to do um, things like in the summer or something they'll have something ready for us or something planned just like this um everything was just so great okay um, summer camp was a big impact on my life um, it's my second time going and it helped me get closer with God and have make new friends and things like that. I really thank Miss Jane and Mr. Charlie for letting me go and attend and be a part of the Rec Center. They're a big part of my life and my community. I think one of the most impactful stories that we can share about the Rec Center is actually a very simple story but, but had a huge impact on Charlie and I when we try and think about are we making a difference who are we helping it's a very abstract thing to judge because you know you can say oh we have 20 kids that come to the rec center four times a week and we feed them four times a week that's that's awesome and that's great but truly having an impact on kids it was kind of brought to our attention one day we had a little girl in the summer that was about four years old she was here with her um, two cousins that were older and she was playing at the table. We had some high school kids down and they had brought paint and she was just laughing and having so much fun and for some reason I noticed her and I thought, wow, it's so awesome that she's just here getting to be a kid. And a little bit later, her grandma came and took the older kids out and all of a sudden there was all this commotion going on and we found out that the little girl's dad actually tried to kill the mother in their home. Um, he was on drugs and they had an argument and he attacked her and the police had to come and he was arrested and it was a really horrible moment to hear that but later as I was thinking about it and I was thinking about the wreck and I realized that that's why we do this. It's for that one moment that that little girl did not have to be involved in that incident. It, and sadly, she will experience a hundred other moments, if not more like that, throughout the course of her life. But at least for one moment, we were able to keep her safe. She was able to be just a normal little four-year-old girl, just coloring and playing. And something that we take for granted a lot with our own kids, but it was so amazing to see. So that's why we do this. If you would like to find out more information about S.A. Heels, you can find us on Facebook as well as we'd love for you to come down and spend some time with us, whether that's at the rec center or in the schools. Thank you. Um, I'm Charlie. My wife, Jen, and, and my family is sitting back there. And uh, I just first want to thank everyone for, for letting us come. Um, 
We love Rock Hills. We've been here for three years, and um, I want to share some stories about some Rock Hills people, but I just want to address the video real quick and, and talk about loving our neighbor. And, um, you know, Adam shared some verses. Um, a lot of times those verses are sh- followed up by the, the story of the Good Samaritan who, who's walking along the road, and that's in response to uh, the person asking, well, who is my neighbor? And so we see some people that were religious at the time sort of passing by and not... Uh, not acknowledging the person that had beaten, been beaten on the side of the road. And then the Samaritan comes and, and takes care of the wounds and takes care of the person and takes them uh, and gives them shelter and pays for that. And, and it was in that moment, right, like, like Jen talked about in the video with the little girl, um, that whatever we were, were focused on, whether it was our career or whether it was our, our kids or, or whatever it might be, all good stuff, never bad stuff, that, that they missed the moments. You know, they were, they, they might have been traveling, they might have been going to a festival, they might have been, it was customary at the time to not, that would be considered unclean. It wasn't like they were just not caring, it was just what they understood, but they missed the moment. And Jesus wanted them to understand that it's about the moments. It's about the moments where four guys will pick up a mat and do whatever it takes to carry someone to get them healed, to show their faith that way. And it's about these moments, and I, I would like to come up here and just say that everything we do is easy. Everything we do is, it just works out so well because we feed kids or we have a rec center. Um, that video is really hard for me to watch today. Uh, Wayne, um, the gentleman that spoke first, who talked about us changing his life and it being the best thing that's ever happened to him. I mean, last night was a really rough night for, for myself and Wayne and uh, to the point where he's probably leaving um, our church and what we do and and we, what we see is as we give people hope like in those moments it gets really messy and that's where the devil attacks and so as he talks about overcoming obstacles there will be obstacles as we choose to follow there will be obstacles as we choose to love it gets messy the moments get messy the little girl that jen talked about there her father trying to kill them he's still there uh two weeks ago they had to come to our house because he was threatening to kill them again uh, of, I think it was three days before there was a drive-by on the house. And, and her nephew, uh, he's a sixth grader. We've had to take power of attorney to help him in the schools. And, and I don't do this uh, for shock value. I don't do this for, for anything other than to tell you that it, to go out and to love, you have to find those moments. And those moments, they get messy. They're tough. But the thing that I'll tell you is, whether you've been in church forever or this is your first time, those moments are worth it. Every single time they're worth it. That doesn't mean that they're easy, right? I didn't grow up in the church. I got saved about eight years ago. Everyone's like, oh, Jesus is the greatest. I don't know about everybody in here, but my life is way harder now than it ever was before. It's hard. We're really tired right now, but God is good. And, 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 and we read those verses and loving your neighbor as yourself, right? Because we're good at loving ourselves, right? We're really good at it, Right? There's lots of different ways that we do it, lots of different ways that we show it. And what we really want is our neighbors to love us. And if they do, then maybe we'll love them back, right? If it's convenient, if it's comfortable. But this, the parable of the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan was about someone that was completely different, someone that was completely, you, you shouldn't have been talking to, you shouldn't have been associated with. Jesus came and he was a friend of sinners, right? He hung out so much with sinners that they called him a drunkard and a glutton just because he was always around, always around the people in need, right? He came. He came not for those that were righteous, but for those that were, were sick, for those that were sinners. And I think that's what each of us is here for, right? Because when we come to that day, 
and we're we're standing at the judgment, and it talks about that, right? With the with the with the story of the the sheep and the goat, and Jesus will say, "Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. When you fed me, when you when you gave me a drink, when when you gave me clothes, when you gave me shelter, when you when I was a stranger and you invited me in, when I was a prisoner and you came to visit me, those were the moments. Those were the moments that got messy. Those were the moments that were inconvenient. Those were the moments that were hard, where there was challenges and obstacles. But but it's about sacrifice." You know, and it's worth it. And, and you can't go into it sacrificing just knowing that you're going to get something back. But when you go in and you sacrifice, you get more back every, every single time. And that's what, that's what we try to do. You know, we, we, don't, we have programs and we have things, but it's really just about how can we, as best we know how, try to love somebody. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, when, when you really put yourself out there and you really give people hope and you really love them, it's not always received like you want it to be received. So if you have motives in your heart that aren't from the Lord to give him glory, I promise you that it's not going to quite go the way that you want it to go. And there's a lot of stories in there where we've given people hope, and they've hurt us the most. Because when you truly love somebody like they're your family, like they're one of your kids, and you let them in and you love them and you go into those vulnerable places, that you can get hurt too, right? And so for people in our neighborhood, hope is is something that's more scary than anything, right? You can give them food, and that's safe. You can give them uh, stuff for school or a place to stay, and, and that's good, and they need those things, right? But hope, that is, that is the most terrifying thing that you can give anybody in that neighborhood because they don't have hope. And that's what we're all here for, right? Because we're putting our hope in Jesus, putting our hope in his promises, because if, if we don't have those, then, then why are we here? But, but I want to talk about, real quick, Rock Hills and the role that you've played in this. Because I, I don't think that you guys understand how important you guys have been to us. We, we partner with different churches, but uh, as Jen and I were talking about the impact that you guys have made, it, it's, it's actually really astonishing, I think, especially because you guys are a big church, but you're, you're not as big as, as some. And um, just so you guys know, um, in February there's a lady that goes to church here that provided food bags for the entire school for the entire month, over 300 food bags, just because she got motivated, just because she got on Facebook, and, and, and she did it. And, and we're here to talk a little bit today about that feeding program and how you can help us to continue that. But we have another person here that, that was at work, and, and they got everyone involved, and they were able to donate. Uh, in addition to the toys that you donated, over $1,000, just from, just from going into their workplace and, and, and trying to get people to rally around it and provide a Christmas for these kids. We have people from this, this church that come down and, and are lunch buddies. Uh, one is Ashton, was one of the little boys on the video, and, and he comes down, and um, I'm going to tease him because he raced him and beat him, so he hurt, his, hurt him like when he beat him in a race, right? Was, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but... He, he comes down, and he wants to get on this kid's level. He wants to be there, and, he, and he's willing to take the time and make the sacrifice. right? We have uh, people that have come down for affordable Christmas. We've had people that have helped restore that rec center. Rock Hills has been a part of our story from the very beginning, from the, from, from the, the very three years. And for, for a church so small, I think it's super special, and we're super grateful. You guys have done food bags, and, and you always do a great job. You know, and so, so in that, as we, as we talk about our Level 1 Feed Run program, and as you guys have participated in it, it's we identify kids that need food, okay? They get free breakfast, free lunch at school, um, but they're not always getting that food on the weekends. So, so on Fridays, we uh, identified 70 kids. We give them a food bag. Um, you're going to be able to get a list of, of that in a bag as you sort of leave today to participate in that program if you would like to. But we just go around each week, and we give them food. And some of them, I'll be honest with you, I don't really think they need the food but they need the hope. They're hungry for the hope. And so we want to be that place where they know that somebody cares. 
and, 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 it's, and it's really hard because you're just waiting for the moments. And you, and you want those moments to come, but when they come, they get messy. But you guys are part of those moments. The food that you provide, right? Those guys picked up that guy on that mat, and they took him because they wanted to heal him. They wanted to heal his, his sickness, his, his, him being paralyzed. But what ended up happening, because of their faith to help him heal, they actually saved his life. And it wasn't about the hunger, and it wasn't about the thirst, and it wasn't about the sickness. It was about the hope that comes from that. And so as you guys participate in the program, as you guys help us, I need you to know that you are getting messy with us. But whether you help us with a food bag or not, it's really about you guys getting messy. It doesn't have to be coming down to help us, but like Adam said, in your neighborhoods, there are people that are addicted, right? There are people that are in prison, right? The addictions up here and the prison up here looks different than where we live, right? There are people that are living in a prison to debt. There's people that are living in addictions to just consumerism or materialism or keeping up with the Joneses or pills or alcohol or whatever. It's a lot prettier up here, I'm not going to lie, but it's still just as messy. And your obstacles are going to be that closed off, that going in the garage, that just sort of life is so busy, and so it's going to be hard to overcome those obstacles. We face different obstacles in our neighborhood, whether it's racial or different things like that, but it doesn't matter. Barriers are barriers. Obstacles are obstacles. But when the moment comes... We just have to be willing to get messy. And I know you guys are, and I'm, I'm super grateful. I, I hope that you know with all sincerity that I, I, I cannot thank Rock Hills enough. I can't thank you enough for allowing us to come up. And, and we are just beyond grateful for the investment that you've made in our lives, but also the investment that you've made in the lives of each and every one of these kids. And so we'll be out um, in the lobby um, after service. If, if you'd like to hear more stories, if you'd like to talk about different ways to get involved, there, there, there's always a place for passion, and there's always a place for purpose. Whether we have that program or not, we're about people fulfilling their purpose in the thing that God has called them to. And so just as we close, I'll invite Adam back up here to pray with us. But again, I just I can't, I can't say thank you enough for helping us be parts of these moments and for helping us um, to get in the mess with these people's lives and provide them that hope. So thank you so much. Hey, let's, uh, let's pray together as a church for SA Heals. If you guys would join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Charlie and Jen. Father, we thank you for the volunteers that you have sent them. Father, we thank you for the vision that you have put within their hearts. Father, we thank you that they are reaching people right here in San Antonio. And Lord, we count it as an honor to work alongside them, to pray for them, to support them, uh, to love them in their journey. And uh, Father, we just pray for your continued blessing upon S.A. Heals, Father, that you provide for them what they need physically, emotionally, financially. Father, in every way, Father, we thank you uh, that you have sent them to be a light in our city, Father, and that you've also equipped every one of us to be a light within our city. Father, I pray for every single person here today that needs to know you, Father, that needs to know that they can be uh, a light for you and can make a difference in somebody's lives. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage them. Father, as we just surrender our lives to you and say, Father, come and do with our lives whatever you want to do. We surrender all that we are to you. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.